Good morning, everybody. Uh, for those of you who don't know, first time, my name is Alvin, and uh, I'll be speaking to you today. I serve as lead pastor of, of our church, and like the video says, we are going to Nairi, Kenya, um, and we would love for anybody else to join. There's still room. We probably have about 10 slots left. Um, so if you are interested, please reach out to us. Let us know. Um, it's going to be life-changing, and uh, I don't know. I just, I'm expecting great things, not only for them, but also for us, because whenever, whenever I talk to people who do to mission work, it's amazing. You're going there to serve, but you end up being served so much and blessed because it's more blessed to give than to receive, you know? So when you go experiencing uh, the, the kingdom of God in a different culture, and to give of yourself for him, it's just such a rewarding experience. And I would love to share that with as many of you as possible. So join us, if you can, October 5th, 5th through the 12th. And, yeah, that's it. On that note, last week we had a great 10-year anniversary service. We got to celebrate 10 years of ministry. And um, I got to testify about really what God has done in my life. Um, and how the church started, and we end up highlighting uh, an element of, of the Christian walk, uh, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I got to talk about just all that comes with it, the fire of God, speaking in tongues, the whole nine. And uh, the response was, was awesome. We had people who got prayer at the end of service and uh, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I saw God move right in front of my eyes. And then we had people online that were reaching out that wanted to receive and was praying. One of, one of them was a friend of mine and, and uh, was like, hey, I was watching online. I couldn't make it. I was traveling. But how, how do I receive this? So I was like, well, let's get together. We can talk because he lives in town. We can pray, you know. But I said, just until then, here's a few pointers. And I just kind of texted him a couple things. So I saw him that Tuesday night. And I thought he wanted to pray so he could, you know, receive. And he said, oh, man, I, I did it already. I was like, oh, yeah? He was like, yeah, just from your text. I was like, You're my, my text? He was like, yeah, you said ask and then do it. And I asked and I did it. And <laughs> it was just so simple. He said, man, I just felt God's holiness and just the weight of his glory, like, filled my whole room and I never experienced something so so holy and, and heavy, but it was it was it was it sounded exactly like my experience. Like it sounds exactly like what happens when when the Holy Spirit fills your life. So I, I say that because God is still baptizing people in his Holy Spirit. And if you know Jesus, if you call him Lord, I can promise you that there is a baptism of fire with your name written on it. And you don't have to wait. Clearly, you can do it right where you are. It doesn't matter if it doesn't be at church. It can be by reading a text, apparently. Um, so just know that if you ask for him to, to baptize, if you ask for the fire of God, you will receive it in Jesus' name. And uh, I just always love extending an invitation for that because next to salvation, it is just the greatest gift. It's such a, such a help for your walk. Um, Palm Sundays, next Sunday, is the Sunday before uh, Resurrection Sunday. We get to celebrate uh, Jesus. We're going to sing Hosanna to him. We're going to honor him and really commemorate the, the beginning of the, 
this, this amazing week that we celebrate uh, Holy Week and the resurrection of Jesus. Um, I'm so excited about Good Friday. It's our first Good Friday service we've ever had in person. Uh, we had an online one last year, but this is big for us, so we'd love for you to come on Good Friday. And then, of course, you heard we got three services on Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, 8.30, 10 a.m., and 11.30. We'd love for you guys to come. But I'm excited for this next series. We're in the month of April. It's a new uh, topic. Uh, the whole theme for the year is withstanding the wind. For those of you who are here for the first time, we're, the theme for 2022 is withstanding the wind. And it's inspired by a passage in Matthew chapter 3, verse 12. John the Baptist is talking about the coming Jesus. And this is how he describes him in this verse. He says, his winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And winnowing is a process when you're harvesting wheat. It's a separation process that separates the chaff, the part that we don't eat from the wheat, the part that we do. And this process uses wind to make this separation because chaff is really loose, it's really light, and it's easily blown away. So harvesters use wind, either natural wind or they'll generate, they'll generate wind with a fan, and the wind does the job for the harvester. So this is a metaphor. John the Baptist is describing Jesus as doing the same thing. This time that we're in right now, the time of the church, it's, uh, it's a harvesting process. The Lord is harvesting, but instead of harvesting wheat, he's harvesting people. He's gathering sons and daughters to gather up to be with the Father and him for eternity. But there's a separation process that comes with harvesting, like winnowing. And the Lord allows winds to blow through his harvest, not to damage his harvest, but to identify his harvest because like chaff if it's blown away that's a sign that it wasn't wheat and same with us when people are blown away it's it's uh, uh, it reveals that our identity and our our faith wasn't rooted in Jesus and the Lord uses this because he wants a pure harvest. He wants to find those who are truly his, and he allows the winds of life to come through his harvest to reveal who is his and who is not his. And as the body of Christ, as Nashville Life, I believe the Lord is trying to train us. He's trying to root us. He's trying to condition us for the winds of our time so that we can withstand the wind. It's one thing to be challenged by the wind because on the on the winnowing process, the, the grain and the wheat, it feels the wind. It feels the opposition of the wind. It even is challenged by the wind, but it withstands it. So it's possible as a Christian, if you're feeling the winds, do not be condemned because you that means you're a human being. If you're feeling the winds, if you're challenged by the winds, if you're if you're if you're feeling the opposition of the winds, that's normal. But the beautiful thing about people who are rooted in Christ is even though we are challenged by the winds, we're not blown away. And we will stay put. And at the end of the day, when it's time for the Lord to gather his final harvest, we will still be in that number. Right? So this year is training us for this. And I'm focusing on different winds 
that I believe are very prevalent in our day. January, we talked about the wind of abandonment. February was the wind of self-dependence. March was the wind of offense. And this month, April, we are talking about the winds of fear. The winds of fear. I don't think it takes effort to see that fear is very prevalent in our time uh, when it comes to, I mean, it's always been here, but I feel like the past two years, it's really cranked up, um, both in the world and in the church, unfortunately. Um, but it's the winds. So the harvest, we experience the winds just like anybody else. Uh, coronavirus, obviously tons of fear around that, fear of mask, fear of no mask, fear of who was going to get elected. Each side thought each candidate was going to just jeopardize their lives, and oh my gosh, my family is in danger, my family's, our country is in danger, and then this other person gets elected. Now they think that, you know, no matter who was winning, somebody was afraid about their lives, and it's almost as if we forget that God has been sovereign through way more cricket leaders than anyone that we've experienced in our day. And, and even my point is, like, whether they're cricket or not, like, God is sovereign, and there's no need to fear. Now, now disliking something is not the same as fear. Like, you cannot like something, but it's one thing to not like something. It's another thing to fear it and be afraid of it. I'm not saying that we should be happy that there is a pandemic happening. At the same time, it's one thing to not be happy about it. It's another thing to be afraid of it, to really think that the Lord doesn't have uh, power over your life. The word says that, you know, the Lord is in control. And when it comes to things happening in our lives, it's very important that we do not give in to fear because fear is a lot less innocent and harmless than we realize. Um, I'm going to talk about it. There's, there's the fears of what's going on in the world events, of course. There's recently, you know, with what's happening in Ukraine, there's a fear of war and, and more war and then we're talking about how it's going to affect our finances and then we're seeing the gas prices oh my god like how am I going to have money to support my life like all these fears and questions are going through through the world including the church and then aside from world events there's just personal fears that we have in our lives fear of untimely death fear of rejection fear of being alone there are people who are fear have a fear of being disappointed. They never want to have expectations for anything good happening in their life because they don't want to have the feeling of being disappointed. So they give way to pessimism. And they say, if I just don't expect good, then I won't be disappointed because there's a fear of the feeling of being disappointed. People don't engage in relationships, relationships anymore because there's a fear of the feeling of being rejected or the fear of the feeling of being, yeah, Abandoned. And so when it comes to fears, guys, we have to understand that this is not a welcomed party in our lives. Um, it is a spirit, and it's something that is designed to uproot us from our faith. But if we learn how to withstand it, we will conquer it. And the Lord has given us the tools to conquer it. We're going to talk about it today. Uh, there's a passage in 1 John 4, 18, that I think is very uh, foundational for what I'm trying to share with you guys today. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts 
without fear. And this is the part I want us to pay attention to. For fear has to do with punishment. Punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Notice it doesn't say whoever fears is not loved. You can just be, even if you're in fear, you're still loved by God. But the word says you haven't been perfected in love. The, the concept of God's love still hasn't fully matured in your heart and in your mind. Because if you were perfected in love, you would see that there was no reason to fear anyone or anything. I was looking at the word punishment. I really want to spend a good amount of time on the word punishment. I looked at the definition of punishment and was punished, the definition of punish. And it says it means to impose a penalty on for a fault, offense, or violation. The other definition says to inflict a penalty for the commission of an offense in retribution or retaliation. Punishment is when you are being retaliated against for something that you did, a violation that you did, an offense that you caused, a wrong that you committed. And John, 1 John 4.18 says fear is connected to that. Fear is connected to an anticipation of punishment thinking that somehow you are being repaid or retaliated against for a wrong that you did. Um, punishment, I was thinking about the word punishment and then the word uh, victimization. You use the word victim when you're implying that like, you did nothing wrong and then something was inflicted on you. But punishment is saying I did something wrong, and what's happening to me is retaliation and uh, a payback for what I've done. And the Bible says that fear is connected to the sense that I did something wrong, and I am somehow being repaid by it, by the universe, by God, by the cosmics, by this world. Something is, the world is out to get me to repay me for the wrong I've done or the wrong that I am. And when you have this outlook on life, everything becomes a candidate for the payment that you've been anticipating. So untimely death, you're like, I know that I've made some mistakes in my life. And it's subconscious. It's not always at the forefront of our minds. But we have this idea that I'm going to get what I deserve. And we need to learn about this because there's, I mean, there's just so much interesting, interesting stuff that, that, that will enlighten us and help us to escape this, this fearful approach to life. When you're anticipating punishment, when you're anticipating the worst, everything, like I said, can look like it. So something as simple as, something as unrelated and external as COVID, like, there could be people being like, this is it. This is how I'm going to go out. This is how the Lord is going to take vengeance against what I've done against him. Or, you know, you lost your job. See, this is it. I knew it. I'm a failure, and I'm just destined for these things. And we start to interpret everything from this lens of I deserve what I'm getting. I deserve to be punished. I deserve to be retaliated because I did something wrong. 
This goes back way before adulthood. I remember as a kid, the few times where I was called into the principal's office, that walk from my classroom to the principal's office, I'm seven years old rethinking all the sins I've committed because I just know I'm in trouble. Like, why else would the principal want to see me unless he was going to get me in trouble for something I did? Maybe I, I don't know. You just start thinking of all the things because this couldn't go well. And then you walk in and you just forgot your lunch and your mom brought you lunch and they were, you were coming to pick it up from his office, right? So like, but that's how we roll. Like even, I've had people, friends of mine even, like I called I call because I want to have a meeting with them and they're like, oh, I thought you were mad at me. I'm like, no, I just wanted to hang out. Oh my gosh, I thought, like we tend to assume that we're going to get caught somehow. Somehow they found out that I am not that great of a person and I'm about to get punished for it. And we anticipate this, and the Lord wants to address it because it's impossible to walk by faith when you're anticipating punishment. Because the nature of walking by faith is to anticipate what you're hoping for. The definition of faith is anticipation for what you hope for, anticipating favor, anticipating blessings, anticipating for things to work out. How can you be anticipating punishment and anticipate favor at the same time. There's a great passage that describes the human condition. I always refer to it because I think he just articulates it. It's kind of difficult to read, but Paul articulates it so well, and it's in the book of Romans. Apologize to first service. I said Hebrews. That was not right. It's Romans 7. Romans 7, 15 to 24. Romans. Uh, Verse uh, 15 says, for I, Paul says, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. That is, sorry, that it is good. I'm going to slow down. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. I'm almost done. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. All right. Paul is describing an, an innate awareness that he has sin in his life. And this is an innate awareness that lies beneath 
in all of us. And basically, he's saying that no matter how much good I do, no matter how much good I want to do, there seems to be this tendency to sin that's never leaving me. It's always there. It's so close at hand. I could be laying hands on the sick, but two inches to the right is a tendency to do evil and sin against God. What is this? He goes, wretched man that I am. The truth of this in itself is reason to fear. It's a scary thought to to understand that no matter how much good you want to do and good you want to be, there's a wretchedness that's so close, ready, ready to just take you down a complete different path. And it would be scary if the scripture ended there. But we have to understand the scripture continues. Romans 7, 24 through 25 says, wretched man that I am who will deliver me from this body of death. And then he moves into thanksgiving and says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. He thanks Jesus because Jesus is the deliverer from this dilemma that Paul is describing that human beings are in. This sense of wretchedness and this sense of evil that we, that, we, that we feel in our lives, that we see in the back corner of our thoughts at times, and just that how easy it is to slip into a whole new spirit and a whole other vein. And I was putting this scripture with this fear thing about fear having to do with punishment. And I thought about it. When you know that there is wickedness within you, we all know just by universal law that evil must be punished. We learn this from cartoons. The, the, the bad guy always is overcome in the end, like he gets defeated. So when you have this fear and this sense, of, not fear, this awareness and knowledge of a wretchedness that you have in your heart and in your life, it's very easy to anticipate punishment because evil must be punished so when you know there's evil in you i'm going to be punished if not today one day i don't know how it's going to happen maybe it's going to happen via uh an accident maybe it's going to happen by 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 betrayal by heartbreak maybe it's going to happen by a pandemic maybe it's going to happen by 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 poverty maybe it's going to happen somehow somehow the evil that's in me is going to be punished and when we live our lives with this, with this anticipation, with this, with this subconscious waiting for you to get what you deserve, life is very scary. And you, you anticipate everything that way. Bad things, you're like, see, I knew it. Good things you interpret that way. See, I know how this goes because right now it's real nice, but in a minute they're going to turn on me and it's going to be bad. Or, yeah, I know you can't even receive blessings because you're going... This is just a trap. Even blessings are a trap because I know it's going to end wrong because deep in my heart, I understand there is wretchedness. And because there's wretchedness in my life, I know that punishment is the only right thing that's coming my way. Where there's faith on the other end that sees your life as a product, as a, as a recipient of favor. You're anticipating favor. So when good things happen in your life, you're like, that's God's favor. When bad things happen in your life, you're like, okay, that's just a gateway to God's favor. You interpret the same life 
there are two people that could be experiencing the same external circumstances, but if one has a lens of punishment, they're seeing everything, even the good things, as just a segue to a bad ending. And then there's some people who have the lens of favor, and they're anticipating faith in their life, and they interpret everything good and bad as the Lord loves me, and he is providing for me, and everything's going to work out okay. So naturally, as a church, I want us to move away from this fear, anticipation of punishment, and take off those lenses and put on the lens of faith where you interpret everything from a place of the Lord loves me. He's not out to get me. So how does this happen? Because the thing about it is, is we're not all wrong. Like, we have committed sins. Sins that people know about, sins that only you and God know about. And scripturally, we read that all sin must be punished. So how, what do I mean? Like, how am I, am I confusing? Like, how am I saying that we can't, we shouldn't anticipate punishment, even though we're right? Like, we have committed sin, and according to scripture, all sin must be judged, and the payment for all sin is the same thing, and it's death. And not just physical death, eternal death, separation from God death. So we've got these sins that we know deserve punishment, but yet I'm calling us to not live a life where we're anticipating punishment, even though we've done things that deserve punishment. If you want to know how it's possible to balance both truths, Let's go to Romans 8. Romans 8, 1 through 4. Romans 8, 1 through 4 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. I'm going to go back to 1 John. I read it already. I'm going to read it again in context to what I just got through reading. 1 John 4.18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. The perfect love that the scripture is talking about is Jesus. God's love for us in action was Jesus on the cross, just so you know that. The action of God's love, God's love goes beyond feelings and affection. God's love is a kind of love that actually translates into action. And the action of God's love was his son Jesus hanging on the cross for us. The Bible says that perfect love cast out fear. Perfect love, that is Jesus. Jesus is perfect love. Him dying on the cross for us is perfect love. 
The reason why perfect love, Jesus dying on the cross, cast out fear is because according to the scripture, fear has to do with punishment. The reason why I say we're not all wrong when we anticipate punishment for our sins is because scripturally we know, we have proof, several accounts in scripture that our sins deserve punishment. And not just like a slap on the wrist. Hell. Like damnation forever. Even the smallest sins, like the slightest small sin, cost death for us. So the people who are walking around in fear, they're not all wrong. They just are missing a very important part of the story. And that is the punishment that they anticipate. The punishment that they understand is deserving of them was already paid for by Jesus. God hates sin. He hates sin. Think of the thing that you hate the most. Like all of us have our pet peeves. All of us have those things that just make us boil. All of us have those things that just make us tick. And there's different stuff in here. The greatest hate in this room against whatever you hate is nothing compared to God's hate towards sin. He hates it so much. So when we commit sin, we have this sense, even if we're not even knowing the Bible, we have this. It's amazing. Even kids, like, even before you know the gospel, you just know when you do something wrong that I stepped into a dark place. Yeah. Something is not because they hide it, right? They hide it. They avoid it. They, they get defensive. Like, it's something that's human. It's very innately human. We understand when we're doing something wrong. The gospel is that that wrath, that hate that God has towards your sin was unleashed not on you, even though you did it. It was unleashed on Jesus when he died on the cross. The wrath of God was satisfied when Jesus died on the cross. Jesus on the cross took punishment for every sin that you've ever committed and every sin you will ever commit. So yes, you are correct that sin deserves to be punished. You are correct that God hates what you did. At the same time, you are incorrect that you still have to pay for it. You are incorrect that that punishment is directed towards you. That punishment was unleashed fully on someone else who voluntarily decided to take the punishment for the sins that you sense are connected to your actions. The Bible doesn't disagree, I'm sorry, the gospel doesn't disagree with, with the fact that our sins deserve punishment, but the gospel just brings in a very important detail is that that punishment was already taken by Jesus. Jesus' death was the completion of the punishment that you've been afraid of. Jesus' death was the completion of the punishment that we subconsciously are always looking for. Which is why scripture repeatedly tells us to stop fearing. Not because what, we have, what we've done doesn't deserve punishment, but that the punishment has already been taken care of. The scriptures, fear not, the phrase is written, I looked up 365 days, times, I don't think that's a coincidence, or maybe it is, but it's pretty cool. 
fear not. Constantly, fear not. Stop fearing this, this punishment. Remember, fear has to do with punishment. When you're afraid, even if it's something that seems so unrelated, if you're afraid of it, you somehow think this is the world's way of getting back at you for what you did that time or what you thought that time or what you felt that time. And the Lord is saying, stop fearing. Now, First of all, is that part clear? Because I don't want to counteract. I'm about to move into something else that's going to be a slight, <laughs> slight shift. But I want to make sure we understand that in Christ, every possible sin that deserves wrath and punishment from God was taken out on Jesus. Almost like the cross is almost like the punching bag. Like, Jesus, I mean, God the Father has this, this wrath that has to get out. You know, have you guys ever been like just so full of emotions and feelings? You just got to get it out. Like I got to go to a field somewhere and cry. I got to go scream. I got to go punch something. I got to do something to get this out. That's God towards our sin, but he ended up unleashing it all on the cross. That cross where God, Jesus going, why has thou forsaken me? That was God getting out all of the retaliation and wrath towards sin, not on the ones who did it, us, but on an innocent man who was his only son. John 3, 36 says, whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Hallelujah. Whoever does not Obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. I got to bring this part up because not only is it true, but it's the driver that gets us to evangelize. We, I still think Christians still struggle accepting that unless a person receives Jesus, the wrath of God is on their life. That's very un-PC, but it's also very biblical. And as the people of the kingdom, we must be people who are defined by the word of God and not what society says that we should or shouldn't do or think. I'm not telling us to look for ways to go against society. We don't want to be annoying and like unnecessarily just confrontational. But if the word of God says something that's different than what society says is cool, we have to be people with enough courage and enough conviction and enough fear of the Lord to stand firm in what he says. The analogy that I've given is because how does this make sense? Like if Jesus died for everybody, which he did, and if the blood that he shed was enough to pay for the entire tab that we've run up over the whole, whole history of humanity, every sin, basically, it's like almost like when you're going out to eat, every sin that you have committed from toddler to now has run up a bill. Each sin, it's like a tab, almost like going out to eat, appetizer, appetizer, drink, drink, drink. This meal, this meal, dessert, dessert. Like 
It's a bill. And the cross, the blood of Jesus, was payment for the entire tab for humanity. The entire tab. Every human that's in this room, that's in this city, that's in this country, that's in this world, not just our generation, but our grandparents' generation, our great-grandparents' generation, going all the way back to Adam and Eve, going all the way forward to our grandkids' generation and our great-great-grandkids' generation. Like every human being, sin was paid for by Jesus on the cross. That's how big of a deal this is, guys. That's how big Jesus is, guys. But the scripture says that whoever does not obey the Son, the wrath of God remains on him. And I love, I love food. All my analogies are so much, all usually about food. Um, I have gift cards. Some of us all have gift cards in our, our house right now. Star, Starbucks, Chick-fil-A, I've got a few of them. And I rarely have them on me. And I'll go to Chick-fil-A, and they'll be like, it's, you know, 12 bucks. And I'm like, dang, I don't have my Chick-fil-A gift card. So what happens is since I don't have the gift card, I have to pay out of pocket. I can't say, oh, I have the gift card. Can you just give me the food and, you know, just trust I have the gift card? No, like, it has to be paid for. Only thing is, I can't use the gift card. I have to pay my own cash. Same with Starbucks. I've got some Starbucks gift cards. And, like, I'll be there. I'm like, oh, man, I don't have it on me. So i got to pay out of pocket. The cross of Jesus is a gift card for your sin. It's the gift card that was purchased for your sin. But if you don't use it, you will find yourself having to pay for your own sins out of pocket. Even though the gift card is paid in full, when it's time to pay for your sins, if you have not acknowledged Jesus Christ as Lord, if you do not obey the Son, you will have no choice like me at Chick-fil-A. If you want to pay for it, you've got to pay for it out of pocket. And the only thing about that makes sin different than Chick-fil-A is I don't have enough to pay back God for all of my sins. Which means I have to go to hell. Hell is where you go when you can't pay the debt of your sins. So we have people with a gift card with their name on it, but because they refuse or because they don't know to point to Jesus, because we're not going out sharing them. I'm talking to myself. They're walking around and they're being set up for a life to where when it's time to settle the accounts, they will have to pay out of pocket, which no human being can do. The tab of our sin is way too high. None of us have the resources to properly pay back for our sins because scripturally, the only thing that pays for sin is the blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb is the only proper payment for any sin that we've committed. So when you don't acknowledge the blood of the lamb and when you don't submit to the son of Jesus, you are forced to have to pay out of pocket, which no one can do, which is why hell is the destination. So, yes, for those in Christ, our call is to understand 
that the payment has been paid for, and we don't have to live our lives like we're going to have to pay for all the mistakes that we've done. We don't have to live our lives thinking that we have to be punished. We're going to be punished for all the mistakes that we've done because the punishment was taken care of by Jesus. It sounds too good to be true, which is why still some of us still struggle with the gospel. You're telling me after all I've done, all I have to do is acknowledge that Jesus paid for it, and I'm good? It's almost too good to be true, especially for a pessimistic person who thinks that every good thing is a trap. But it's just that good. And as good as it is to receive it, it's just as tragic not to. Do you see First, that John 3, 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. It's paid in full. But then it has to say the Lord, that God wouldn't be God if he didn't let you know the alternative. He has to let you know the full thing. He loves us. He has to tell us the whole thing. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see this eternal life. But the wrath of God remains on him. It's almost like the line of fire. Like when you believe in Jesus, the wrath that God has towards your sin bypasses you and it goes on Jesus. But for those who don't believe in Jesus, the wrath of God, there's nothing to ricochet it. There's nothing to redirect the wrath. Jesus redirects God's wrath from being on you to being on the cross. But when you don't choose Jesus, there's nothing to redirect the wrath. So it ends up going on the one who did it. This is what the scripture is saying. This is why it's important for us to be grateful, and this is why it's important for us to share the news of Jesus, that there is someone who has paid for what you sense that you're going to be punished for. He's paid for it, and all you have to do is acknowledge him. All you got to do is obey him. I shouldn't say that. All you have to do is don't acknowledge him. The Bible says he who, he who, obey, who doesn't obey the son. I have to be careful with my words because it's one thing to acknowledge Jesus. It's a different thing to obey him. I have to be clear with you guys, especially in this day and age. I have to be so clear. Yes, it, you have to acknowledge him first, but demons acknowledge Jesus. If you want to avoid the wrath, According to the scripture, not according to Nashville life, according to John 3, 36, you must obey the son. Otherwise, the wrath of God that he went through a lot of trouble <laughs> to, re to redirect to Jesus. I mean, this took a lot of work, generations of prophecy and I mean, the whole Old Testament, all from Abraham's, I mean, even from Adam and Eve, like the Lord, this was such a plan to make sure that this wrath of God would be nowhere near us. He went through a lot of work to make sure that we would be saved. That's where salvation, you know the word salvation? Salvation means you're saved from this, God's wrath. Have you ever wanted to know how people say you're saved? Like, you're saved from more than just sadness. Like, you're saved from God's rage and wrath and punishment. 
which is so great to be in Jesus. We're under the shadow. Like, we're inside. Like, God's wrath is happening. The Bible says he who dwells, it's almost like there's bombs going outside, and those who are in Christ are under this covering. And we're still in a time where people can still come under the covering. But we need more of us going, hey, come on, come on, get in here, get in here, get in here, get in here, get in here. But instead, we're listening to ideas of even though they're not under the shadow, they still will be fine because, because my God, the God that I know doesn't have this. Well, yeah, because you are saved. You're not experiencing this. There's a reason why me as a Christian, I don't understand this because I've been saved from it. I'm experiencing the mercy of God, the peace of God, the joy of God, the love of God, the grace of God. But there is a thing called the wrath of God. And for those who do not believe in the Son and obey him, this, instead of being redirected to Jesus, falls on them. So I've kind of got two, there's two folds to this message. One, if you are living for Jesus... And if you're obeying him, please stop fearing this and anticipating this. Please stop still thinking that you're going to experience a degree of God's wrath. If Jesus is your Lord and you're under the shadow, live like it. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. I know I've been talking about the wrath for 15 minutes, but enjoy it. Enjoy life away from this. Stop living in fear. Stop looking through every corner trying to find the way the devil is going to kill you. I knew he's coming. He's coming. No, like, yes, he's real, but you're under the shadow. You don't have to fear. And the same voice that's saying that is saying, if you're not under the shadow, please get under it so you don't experience any of this. I'm going to pray. Father, we acknowledge your presence, God. We thank you for your word. We thank you that fear has no place in the future of those who are in Christ. For those of us who have made Jesus Lord, and are following him, we have no reason to fear punishment from you. We have no reason to fear retaliation from you. Yes, there might be consequences for our actions, and yes, there might be trials and tribulations that we go through, but as far as punishment from you, there is none of that for those who are in Christ. For those who are in Christ, for those who follow you, Jesus, your word makes it very clear that there is zero condemnation. God, so we turn away from the anticipation of fear, I mean, of punishment, seeing our lives through a lens of God is mad at me, God is going to get me, God is out to pay me back for all the wrong that I've done. Lord, help us to remember Jesus on the cross. And whenever we see a cross or whenever we hear about the cross or whenever we sing about the cross, let it remind us that the punishment 
that was assigned to our lives were redirected. The punishment was redirected and poured on Jesus. Jesus, we thank you because you didn't do anything wrong. You were spotless. You were without sin. You were perfect. You were innocent. And you paid the cost for every possible mistake, every vile act, every crime. I mean, from the worst to the worst, God, you took all of that on so that we could avoid the wrath of God. So Jesus, we thank you because you did not have to do this, but you voluntarily obeyed and finished the entire process. And Jesus, when you said it is finished, that meant that the full debt was paid. You took all of it on yourself. And when you rose from the grave, Lord, that was a sign that all of our debt was fully paid. God the Father accepted it. And because of that, anyone who puts their faith in you, Jesus, anyone who obeys you, we have avoided, we have been saved from the wrath of God. Lord, now I'm praying for those who are in the room, those watching online, who have yet to make you Lord. Maybe they've acknowledged you. Maybe they give thanks here and there. But they haven't stepped into a life of obedience. They acknowledge you as Savior, but still not as Lord. Anyone in the room who can't honestly say that Jesus is their authority, Lord, I pray a prayer for them, God, that you would give them courage, that you would give them uh, a conviction to make that change today and get under the shadow, under the covering, under the shelter of Jesus so that they too can experience a life of favor, a life of grace, a life of mercy, a life where there is nothing to fear. Lord, I pray for them right now. And as we approach your throne, God, I pray, Lord, that people would choose you. There might be people here who've never acknowledged you as God. Lord, let this be their day. Lord, there might be people who've acknowledged you but not submitted to you. Let this be their day. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask us all to stand up. I'm going to lead us in a prayer because the Lord wants to save people today. He wants to save people to where you no longer have to anticipate punishment, but you can know that the punishment was taken care of over 2,000 years ago. Repeat these words after me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, 
I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let's all say amen. Let's celebrate. If you believe you're forgiven, let's go. You know what to do. You know what to do. If you believe you've been forgiven, you know what to do. Keep it going. Thank you, God. That's the praise of people who have nothing to fear. That's the praise of people who know that God is not going to punish them because he has forgiven them. And we are in a life where there's, where there's no condemnation, guys. There's no condemnation. Yeah, you did it, but he doesn't condemn you for it. Yeah, you did it, but he's not going to punish you because he gave his son Jesus. If you said yes to the Lord, if you're ready to make him Lord, we have a prayer team that will be here to pray for you at the end. We would love to minister to you and pray for you. You can also text BELONG to 77411. And we will be happy to connect with you. It's, it's really a blessing for us to be able to know who responded to the message and who heard it and said, hey, I want to make this change in my life. So please let us know. Uh, if you want prayer for anything, our team will be here to pray for you. Uh, you can also let us know your prayer request online. Uh, please fill out the connect card. If you want to get more connected to the church, or better yet, meet me on the third floor. We got next steps in a couple of minutes after I dismiss. We'd love to see you there. And then lastly, if you would like to give, thank you in advance. Uh, you can give online. The finance team is in the back. They've got buckets. They'll be happy to serve you if you want to give a physical offering. And uh, I love y'all. I'm just glad y'all came. Uh, pray to see you guys again. And uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you again. We pray, uh, I pray a blessing over these people, God, every family that is represented here. God, I pray, Lord, that you would protect the word of God that was planted in their hearts today. Lord, let them stay sober and focused as they leave so the word can continue to minister to their hearts. And Lord, let them share it as well, God. Let them share what was shared today, God, so that other people can come into the knowledge of your mercy and that the payment has already been taken care of. Lord, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great rest of the day.